Real Presence Live. It's this really powerful sense of, okay, you're seen, you're known, you're missed if you're not here. Local. It's that good crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is that you do that, you know, you grow it, you grow it to the Lord, and if it doesn't come about, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. Engaging. Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live. This is our charism, to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Welcome everyone to Real Presence Live this morning, coming at you live from the Great Plains Food Bank on 3rd Avenue North in Fargo, North Dakota. My name is Tim Moser, your host today. Beautiful, beautiful day out there. We have a great, great show planned for you too. I have to tell you that last time I hosted, we were at the New Life Center just across the railroad tracks about a hundred yards or so uh, west of here, so uh, I don't have to go very far. Brandon really sets it up nice, so I like that. I appreciate that. But anyway, we have a great show planned for you today. As always, let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Gracious and loving God, Lord, we lift up to you all our cares, all our concerns, Lord, but we know that you are a loving Father, and you will provide for us. And Lord, many times this provision involves the help of others, being your hands, your feet, being Jesus to others. We ask a special blessing today over our guests in the show, the Great Plains Food Bank, and their mission to feed the hungry. As you tell us in Matthew 25, Lord, that this is one of the ways that we're going to be judged in the final judgment. Help us to open our hearts and our minds to help those in need in any way we can. We put all this to your feet of our Blessed Mother and pray for her intercession as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of the Harvest, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, my name again is Tim Moser, coming at you from the Great Plains Food Bank here in Fargo, North Dakota. I want to talk to someone just a few miles away. His name is the illustrious Aaron Breen. Aaron, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fabulous, thanks. I hope you are too. Hey, I am. I'm doing awesome. I tell you, I'm so blessed. I was just thinking about that this morning. I talked with my wife as, as our foster boy was coughing and throwing up and all this kind of stuff. You know, it, it, oh. it's such a blessing to be able to be with an amazing wife like that and to be having this third person that God has put into our lives, right? You know, yeah. and to get me outside of myself. But one of the biggest things I need to learn is to get out of my own head, get out of myself and help others. Of course, we're going to talk about that much today, starting with the Great Plains Food Bank, right? Absolutely. And you've got a great guest right there with you. Her name is Marsha Paulson, and she's going to be talking about finding, seeing the need to help those in our own backyard. We're also going to have Father James Gross on for Straight Talk. He's got, he's ready for those questions for you. Right here from about 9.20 to about 9.50 Central. We've also got Father Damien Schill coming on to talk about his great cookbook series. We're going on the 10-minute tour of our local events. Then we'll have Mike Hagstrom and a couple students from Shanley High School in Fargo to talk about the Great Plates Food Bank Fill the Dome Initiative, and we'll also have Father Tad Paholchek to talk about some very life, uh, very good things about life and what, what happens when we alter that gift of life. All this right here on Real Presence Live. Right back to you, Tim. 
Hey, Aaron, that sounds great. I appreciate it. You bet. I also like to thank Brandon sitting right beside me, keeping everything running smoothly. I was actually in the office the other day to going to record some promos, and Brandon was hauling stuff in and out. And of course, my timing is always perfect. Because I said, hey, you need any help? He says, no, that was the last trip. So once again, my time is perfect. Anyway, thanks so much. Well, we'd like to get to our first guest. As I mentioned before, we are here at the Great Plains Food Bank and looking across the table at a great guest, as you mentioned, Aaron, Marsha Paulson. Marsha, welcome to the show. Thank you, and welcome to the Great Plains Food Bank. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us in. It's great. I have to say that every time I've been here, I've just been down on the floor volunteering. This is a, this is a pretty nice place you've got upstairs here, too. We're very fortunate to be uh, operating uh, out of this facility. It really is meeting our needs. We're a 36,000-square-foot facility. Uh, if you've never been into uh, the food bank, we welcome you to come in at any time. We love to give kind of behind-the-scenes tours of this working warehouse that meets the needs of so many people in our state. You know, that's so true. You've always been so good to us. We... um. I teach a class at Concordia, and we do several service projects with that. And we've come over here every year, and you guys are always so wonderful. And, and our kids have a great time. It's one of the highlights of, you know, they do evaluations at the end. It's one of the highlights. So we love doing the service projects, Great Plains Food Bank among them. So, well, Marcia, let our listeners know a little bit. How did you get involved in the Great Plains Food Bank? You know, I, uh, I started my professional uh, work in the area of communications and uh, spent some time in radio and television. And, I can uh, tell by your voice. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I, I had the opportunity to do several live remotes from places that were uh, uh, pretty interesting and not the fashion that you all are doing it these days, which I'm very envious. But, you know, uh, I had a calling for something a little bit deeper and um, have always been involved in my community and uh, social work called to me. And so I went back to school and got my degree and um, soon moved into the world of, of nonprofit work. And I was with an organization that sheltered women and children, uh, served as its executive director for 13 years. And we were actually a partner feeding program that received food from the Great Plains Food Bank. Ah. So uh, we saw the uh, the uh, wonderful um, um, support that came out of this organization. And, and when it was my time to leave that organization, there was a new position here at the mm. food bank that opened up. And I thought, you know, I could lend some skill and talent to that work. And so been here for 15 years wow. um, since. And uh, this position and our work in this um, amazing program has grown mm -hmm. year over year. My job has kind of changed with it. And so it's, uh, it's very fulfilling, very blessed to show up here every day and do what we do. Mm, sounds good. Talk with Marsha Paulson, uh, Great Plains Food Bank. You know, you talk about share some experience and some skills. I can also tell Marsha, sharing your heart, you have a heart for helping people. And, you know, I think many of, we, we see it all around, right? We, we see it in the, the fill of the dome. We see it in these other areas. But I think a lot of people, you know, it, it's kind of below the radar, should I say, in our everyday average person. And it really wasn't until with my class, and I, we started volunteering at these places probably about 15 years ago now, probably. Boy, I've really seen that there is a great need yeah. even in our own community, you know. So tell us a little bit about um, maybe what it does for you. Let's talk about your heart a little bit. What does it do for you to be able to reach out to those in need and help give them what they do need? You know, we see so many people um, hurting mm -hmm. um, in our line of work. We see so many people who are resilient, yeah. who are strong, who are uh, giving. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we talk about a hungry senior who will give her last can of soup away before mm -hmm. she asks for what mm -hmm. she needs to sustain her, her life. Um, 
or uh, we see a child who goes uh, without breakfast uh, in order um, that he can get to school on time. Mm-hmm. It um, It's awesome for me to be able to be a part of the work that uh, fills um, fills their belly, fills their soul. Uh, we, we have a responsibility here at the Great Plains Food Bank and in my position uh, to do something, to uh, reach out, to mm-hmm. lift up. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't imagine going to work and not being able to feel that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know there are people who do. Yeah. They punch a clock, they go to work, um, they come home, you know. Um, but it, it's so much more here. And so true, Marsha, that's for sure. You know, a couple of things come to my mind. Number one is that you talk about there's people who are so giving. There are so giving here, whether it's giving of their time, their treasure, their talent to help yeah. out, whether it's someone who is in great need themselves, who has yes. that faith and trust in God. I'm going to give my last win. I know yes. that, you know, like the widow and Elijah, right? Yeah. I, I love that, right? Yeah. Make me a cake first. Okay, she does. And <laughs> right, the, the, the oil never runs dry and, and the jar never goes empty, which is awesome with a jar of flour. The other thing I think about is we are also a community, generally speaking, we're self-sufficient. I'm going to yes. do this myself. And we want to encourage others, if you need help, help is there. That's Don't be right. afraid to reach out. That's right. We uh, we coin it as prairie pride. I love, um, I love in, it. I like that. This can, can I use that? Absolutely. Okay. I'm writing it down. Um, we uh, are a state that uh, produces food for the world, um, yet there are hungry among us. And uh, as, a, as a Great Plains Food Bank, it's our responsibility to uh, be a leader in meeting mm-hmm. the needs of those who are hungry. One in nine people in our state reach out and seek services at our programs and our our network of food pantries, shelters, and soup kitchens across North Dakota and Western uh, Minnesota. And uh, we rely greatly on community partners to do our mission. Um, And we couldn't do it without them. And so the generosity of our food industry donors, our volunteers, our partner network, our financial supporters, our community champions, uh, it takes all of us coming together uh, to do what we do best to meet the needs of those who are hungry. Absolutely. Talk with Marsha Paulson here of the Great Plains Food Bank. You know, Marsha, I was over at the emergency food pantry in Fargo, just a few blocks away from here last week, I guess, talking with Stacy, And uh, it was just amazing to see the volunteers, right? You know, just they, they come out in droves and they're regular, right? I mean, I'm here, you know, three days a week from this hour to this hour. Vans were coming in, as you mentioned, from our local uh, grocery shops, from our local warehouses, you know, bringing food. It was just amazing to see that whole operation. Maybe for our listeners, Marsha, because some people don't understand, we're the, you're the only food bank. You talked about your other partners, the food pantries, soup kitchens. Yes. Tell us how the Great Plains Food Bank fits in with all this, being the only food bank, and how you distribute to these other areas. I'm uh, happy to. We play a very unique role in hunger relief, and... Um, happy, very happy to do it, but again, rely greatly on others. Mm -hmm. So uh, as a food bank, our job really is to get the surplus food that is going to waste in this country into the hands of hungry people. And uh, we do that very well. We've been doing it for 36 years uh, across our state. And uh, last year, with the help of 200 plus food industry donors, like manufacturers, retailers, growers, Mm -hmm. who give us so generously of their surplus product, uh, we were able to recover food for 12 and a half million meals in one year alone. Mm -hmm. Again, food that was going to waste. Mm -hmm. And uh, we took it 
and with the help of 5,600 volunteers who mm-hmm. give nearly 20,000 hours a year. Wow. And volunteers, three on up, um, sharing their time with us to help prepare this food. Uh, we then were able to distribute it statewide to our network of 215 food pantries, mm-hmm. shelters, and soup kitchens, who then distribute it locally in their communities. So our semis are on the road every week moving this product from our state statewide distribution center here in Fargo to every corner of the state. And each of our pantry partners operate very differently in their communities based on the needs of their communities. And uh, we, we try and meet those needs, delivering the food right to their door. To keep our lights on, our semis moving, our volunteers supported, our food safe, uh, we rely on our financial partners. And these are folks who give a dollar or a hundred dollars to help us do what we do. And because of the generous support from food industry and volunteers, we can move food for three meals for every charitable dollar we receive. huge impact in the lives of people who are struggling in our state. Again, we just play one role in this chain of incredible partners in the work of hunger relief. We're talking with Marsha Paulson, the Chief Development Officer at CDO of the Great Plains Food Bank here on 3rd Avenue North in Fargo, North Dakota. That's one thing that's always amazed me, Marsha, when we come through, you know, every year and they give a tour and they give us some of these statistics. And it's amazing to me the efficiency, you know, with a little bit of money, you can feed a lot of people. And that, that's always yeah. amazed me. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, 96% of all of our uh, revenue uh, goes to support and feeding hungry people. Mm-hmm. And we're very proud of that. Um, yeah. And again, it's because of the generous donations mm-hmm. of so many people that make this work. Absolutely. We love to talk about the three transcendentals, what is good, true, and beautiful, you know, and, and the goodness of helping people. I'm going to share a short story, then I'd like your thoughts. Uh, I said my, my wife and I have done foster care for quite some time now, and one of the programs that you do that I did not know about until you had these foster children was the, the backpack program. So on the weekends, these, these, we had a couple boys, they would come home with backpacks and food, and, and I thought, what's this? We got it at school. I said, you got it at school. I was totally clueless. But the goodness of seeing them know that I can go home, and I can see this, and, and they want to be able to see the food. That, that's another yes. story, right? But to be able to see that I'm going to have something to yeah. eat over the weekend. I mean, this yeah. is something that never came to me. But talk about the goodness of being able to provide maybe the backpack program and all these other things to these people in need. You know, when we um, are blessed with uh, this resource to be able to distribute out uh, to 97,000 people each mm. year, mm-hmm. um, 37% of them are children. Yeah, wow. And uh, we know when kids are not fed, they are, aren't equipped to learn. They aren't equipped to grow developmentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, they aren't equipped to learn uh, in school and pay attention and concentration. And so uh, w- working with the schools in our community and across the state, uh, these champions are allowing us to get this food into the hands of children in, in a very confidential and safe manner. Uh, these are kids who are identified by school personnel as having nutritional challenges and, and hunger needs. We don't know who those children are. We trust uh, and have faith in the school personnel that they're identifying those yeah. folks. And to be able to uh, hear from a child that it was the best day ever mm. when they received their food backpack uh, because they had their favorite cereal in there mm. and they can share it with their little sister, mm-hmm. there is nothing more beautiful about that. 
Wonderful. Talk with Marsha Paulson here from the Great Plains Food Bank. A couple minutes left here, Marsha. Let, let, let's get into the, you know, the biblical aspect. I talked about it a little bit before, you know, feeding the hungry. Mother Teresa, of course, comes to mind as getting outside of ourselves and helping those in need. Now, you don't have to be a believer, obviously. You don't ask for your volunteers, but there's something at the heart, especially with people of faith, that really drives us to do this, doesn't yes. it? Yes. We have a need to give, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Give of our time, mm-hmm. give of our resources, share our voice, and to be able to offer a space for people to give what they can, uh, whatever that is, uh, is a responsibility I believe we have mm-hmm. in our work here. And um, service is, is so important. Uh, we value the work that um, we can lend uh, to this effort. And to see people share their time uh, week in, week out, share mm-hmm. their resources month in, month out, to share our talents as a staff and a volunteer force day in and day out truly is a blessing. Amen. Marsha, anything else you'd like to add about the Great Plains Food Bank? We would love to welcome uh, anybody on your, uh, in your listening audience mm-hmm. to stop in, see what this work is all about, see if uh, there's a spot for you in our mission. Um, if you have a need, uh, we can hook you up with a resource. There are a lot of people who are hurting that are listening today. Uh, please visit our website for all the resources that you might need. And that need. website is? GreatPlainsFoodBank.org. Dang, that's so hard to remember. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Marcia. You know, I, I was uh, I was listening uh, the other day to uh, something about volunteering, and they said that people can volunteer more, but they said giving two hours a week is kind of the sweet spot nice. for most people. Just the average, and two hours a week, if. if a thousand people, a couple thousand people did that, wow. you'd be uh, amazed, wouldn't you? Wow. Uh, so much, so much can happen in an hour. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, we certainly want to, uh, to encourage our people to. So, greatplainsfoodbank.org. Yes. Marsha Paulson, we want to thank you so much for being with us, and thanks for all the good you're doing. Thank you, Tim. It's we, my pleasure. All right. Thanks so much. Marsha Paulson from the Great Plains Food Bank. All right. So thanks so much for sharing the beauty of serving our brothers and sisters in Christ. So coming up, Father James Gross of the Diocese of Fargo will be ready for any questions you have on the faith. That's right. It's called Straight Talk. All right. And also, we'll honor our fathers, a new segment, and... Father Damien Schill shares his insights on warming our hearts and our stomachs with great recipes. This is Tim Moser. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Built Upon a Rockfest has partnered with Rugged Rosaries for another giveaway. Nine rosaries will be given away, one each week, leading up to the concert on September 14th. These rosaries are beautiful and extremely rugged. The quality is unmatched. For a chance to win, simply like Built Upon a Rockfest posts on Facebook and Instagram. Each like gets you a chance to win. Full giveaway details can be found at builtuponarockfest.com. Good luck, and don't forget to mark your calendars for Built Upon a Rockfest on September 14th. Attend a Catholic Unite Financial Workshop with Brian Zitzman, your local Catholic Unite rep on end-of-life issues from a Catholic perspective. Our speakers will discuss Catholic Church teachings on health care directives, protecting human dignity, and end-of-life financial issues. The free workshops will be at 7 p.m. on August 20th at St. Clara Parish in Clara City, August 28th at St. Joseph Parish in Montevideo, and September 4th at St. Andrew Parish in Granite Falls. Text WORKSHOP to 1-800-568-6670 to save your seat. Are you thirsting for God's love? 
His mercy, His forgiveness, you'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Event Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. Taking what you experience on Sunday in church and applying it during the week at work can be a challenge. This year's Faith and Business Conference is for business owners, managers, and those that seek to integrate their faith into the workplace. This year's conference features world-renowned speakers that will help you take faith principles and turn them into business practices. Learn how to take your Sunday into Monday on Thursday, August 8th at the Ramcota Hotel in Sioux Falls from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more information and tickets, go to faithinbusinessconference.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. folks there are those tones you know what that means it's time for straight talk today with father james gross give us a call at 877-795-0122 877-795-0122 father welcome to straight talk thank you very much coach it's great to hear from you good morning to you and to all of our listeners Good to hear you. And you know, that voice is so smooth. It just, truth be told, let's just get it right off that you've had spent some time in radio, haven't you, Father? Tell our listeners just a little bit about that. Yes, I have. Um, in my undergrad days, when I was uh, in college seminary, I was debating whether or not that was actually the vocation for me, and I was anticipating that if the Lord wasn't calling me to a religious vocation, that I might uh, desire to make a career in radio. So I was a disc jockey in a couple of different venues uh, for several summers. And what I came to understand is that several parts of the business of radio, um, the advertising, the technology and stuff, really weren't up my alley. So I think that was kind of the Lord's way of saying, well, if you're going to be involved in radio, it might be something like this. And providentially, here I am <laughs> hosting occasionally and uh, being able to appear on, on programs in this capacity as well. That's great. We're talking with Father James Gross here on Straight Talk. Of course, we want your calls. We want your questions on Facebook. So give us a call at 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122, or messages communicate with us on Facebook and we will get you and your question on the air. Father, what's on your heart? What would you like to start talking about with our listeners today? I think one of the first things to talk about is just to uh, extend our uh, condolences and our concern to the families in uh, Dayton, Ohio and El Paso, Texas because of the news that came out last weekend um, and uh, to try to bring um, try to bring a response to what happened there that doesn't immediately devolve into the uh, the polarizing and, and the uh, polemics of uh, the politics and opportunism, but to just say that uh, uh, throughout all of human history, it is necessary for us to 
um, seek to work against what the devil is trying to sow in the human heart, and that um, uh, Christendom, at its very best, introduces Christ-like virtue, not only in an individual's heart, but collectively by the transformation of societies. When you think of uh, people like St. Stephen of Hungary, for example, uh, those who were real pioneers, you might say, in uh, promoting the, the gospel and uh, Christianity among their people where it had not been planted before, um, whether it be uh, secular heads of state or those who were leaders uh, in the Church and in some capacity, that uh, unless we are willing to return to that value of uh, Christ-like virtue and conversion of heart, then I guess it just feels like we're going to continue to spin our wheels. And um, yeah, I think it you know takes a lot of courage uh, to, to say things like that, but I think it needs to be said. So true, talking with Father James Gross here on Straight Talk. Again, give us a call, 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122, or message us on Facebook. You know, Father, you mentioned St. Stephen of Hungary. Interestingly enough, my wife and I were just there at the cathedral uh, this this last May, and of course, the story of Saint Stephen is amazing. How you know how he gave and what a peaceful person he was. Um, you know, the Catholic bishops also put something out. One one uh, phrase they said was, uh, "We need to look at national policy as well as our national culture." You know, and people tend to think, "Well, what can I do? What can I do?" And you know, as you said, we don't want to get into polemics and the polarization. But whenever there's a difficult time going on, something difficult going on, my wife always reminds me, Tim, look at yourself. You know, for, for years I was trying to fix this net, the other thing, and really the best thing we can do really, right, is look at ourselves. For instance, if I'm angry at a neighbor, if, or if I'm holding a grudge, or if I'm, you know, doing, haven't forgiven, or whatever it is, I'm adding to that culture of distrust, that culture of, you know, violence against people, at least, you know, in some way. So maybe talk for a minute, Father, about what we can do in our own little world, in our conscience, and in our lives to really make sure we're bringing forth this culture where every human being is respected. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think about how, at least in a a personal manner, we can work against the tendencies toward uh, crudeness, uh, crassness, and a, a cheapening of the quality of life, a, a diminishing of life. If we retreat into our collective bunkers, so to speak, we are not uh, dealing with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. So, yeah, certainly I think I think that that's an additional dynamic that's at play. Wonderful. Again, we're talking with Father James Gross. Give us a call at 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. I'm going to pivot just a little bit here, Father, maybe bring us into the readings for the day. You know, a lot of people think in this day and age, I mean, I go back to the Las Vegas shooting. You know, more people are affected than just the families of those shot and injured, right? 22,000 people witnessed and went through that terrible, ter- terrible event, you know. So it, it has repercussions right beyond that. Well, if you look, for instance, a reading from Numbers, you know, uh, the people going into to scout the land, right, the promised land, you know, they could have had it 38, 40 years earlier. They go in. They say, yes, it's flowing with milk and honey, but there are these giants. We can't take the land. Basically mistrusting God. Only Joshua and Caleb, right, say, okay, we can do this, right? And then pivoting to the gospel, it's a Canaanite woman. They're not even supposed to have faith. You look at her faith. So so maybe a few words about what can we do here relying on God, our faith, uh, even if the situation seems downright impossible. 
Right. Uh, as I was thinking about that, I'm going to be, when I take my leave uh, of you later this morning, I'll be celebrating Mass at uh, an assisted living facility. So uh, reviewing the readings uh, coming up today, and, and over the last few days, we've been looking at the latter parts of the Exodus journey, and we're, now we're in, in the Book of Numbers when it seems like everybody's nerves are being frayed, you know, to the to the very end, whether it be Moses and Aaron or uh, various others, you know, uh, leaders of the community. Uh, one of the things that came to my mind, you know, that uh, today's reading from the Book of Numbers represents with the uh, reaction of the people of Israel to the reports of the, of the scouts using that great uh, archaic uh, English term, reconnoitering the land of Canaan, right? <laughs> yes, but, exactly. Um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, um, without, the, uh, without the intervention of God and the intervention of divine grace, uh, molehills can look like mountains. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, to, try to, uh, to try to keep a, a proper perspective, uh, what Caleb was saying, you know, we certainly should enter in because... You know, the Lord will will be on our side. He's not on, you know, our enemy's side, that sort of thing. It's not a pie-in-the-sky sort of position. It's not this, um, you know, empty idealism. And uh, if we we have the the perspective, if we are able to see uh, things that we face with uh, the eyes, you might say, uh, of the Holy Spirit, even if it's some sort of uh, challenge in our lives, uh, I think psychologically, sometimes we lean upon making those things more uh, daunting, and perhaps they they truly are, you know. And then uh, in, in the gospel reading with uh, the Canaanite woman, there's a sort of uh, rhetorical dance back and forth going on, where Jesus is, in a sense, testing her by saying the kinds of things that others would uh, rather crassly say to her, you know, that we cannot give food to the children to the dogs and things like that, and, and she basically stands her ground by saying, listen, both you and I know that that is rubbish, and that uh, if we can just move beyond those sorts of ugly stereotypes and see, you know, the reality of the matter that uh, my daughter, you know, or my child is, is one of God's children, too, uh, regardless of my ethnic bloodline, and that, you know, I am placing my faith in you to be able to help me. And shouldn't that be what shouldn't that be what matters? Um, so we hold up this, I guess you might say, unlikely heroine in the Canaanite woman uh, to remind us of the power of God to intervene in our lives by uh, expressing faith in Him. Now that that is not to suggest some sort of simple, you know, prosperity gospel formula that you, you do A, B, and C, and you can expect C, you know, to come along in terms of the rewards, but uh, to, to place our faith in God rather than to conclude that all is lost before, uh, before it even begins. Right, we're talking with Father James Gross here on Straight Talk. Would love to hear from you at 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122. As you were talking there, Father, I thought, you know, what a perfect tie-in to what we talked about right at the top, because Jesus breaks down these cultural, religious, ethnic barriers, right? I mean, the Samaritan woman, right? The Canaanite woman, you know? And, and, he, and he upbraids Israel, who's supposed to have faith, right, for their lack of faith. And so in our day and age, with you know, the, the struggles we see, in our country and other countries, with the religious, the ethnic, the cultural differences, Jesus really obviously stood at the forefront of saying, hey, you are all human beings, and you're all made by God, right? Yeah, you know, rather than to um, 
take as a default position this uh, general uh, demonization of the other. One of the one of the settings in which I really have experienced powerfully an antidote to those sorts of things, uh, whatever you want to call it, just kind of an irrational uh, tribalism or uh, bigotry or that sort of thing, uh, has been with regard to liturgies that I've attended at the World Youth Days that I've participated mm. in, whether it be uh, as a seminarian in Denver in 1993 or as a priest in uh, uh, subsequent World Youth Days, when you are shoulder-to-shoulder uh, shoulder with people who couldn't possibly be more different from you, you might say, in terms of uh, the way of life that they live in their homeland and things like that. But it is uh, the person of Jesus and his incorporating us as members into his body that can overcome all of that, so that I'm not just um, re, uh, not just regressing to, you know, tired tropes of you are fill-in-the-blank, so that means you must be fill-in-the-blank, you know, and uh, the Canaanite woman in today's Gospel, we can imagine throughout a great part of her life how she had to deal with that of people who wouldn't even consider getting to know her for who she is, but just, you know, attached a label to her, and uh, just the, 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 the injustice of it all, really. So true. Boy, I tell you what, that's that is good stuff, Father. We're talking about Father James Gross here on uh, Straight Talk. Love to uh, hear your questions at 877 uh, Got a listener question online here, Father. So we just talked with someone from the Great Plains Food Bank about meeting the needs of hunger in our local communities. Is there something to be said about remembering the mission territory in our own country. It seems like people are quick to run to other countries on mission trips, and that's not bad, but is there a balance? We have a mission field right here in our own backyard in many ways, don't we, Father? Indeed, and I think the best uh, answer to that uh, concern that's mentioned there in the question is to try to approach it with a both-and principle as much as possible. Um, In terms of the official uh, assistance that the Church gives. There's an organization called Catholic Relief Services that turns its eye to other nations, uh, developing countries, and trying to provide some of the most basic needs for the people who are there. Um, definitely that's uh, an important thing. People often hear about that uh, agency with the Lent uh, Operation Rice Bowl program that is done every year. In addition to that, domestically, uh, a couple of things I think of in particular, uh, Catholic Charities, in the various dioceses in the United States, they are the ones who step up. Uh, for example, with all the flooding in the springtime in Nebraska, or you know, various things like that. Whenever there are natural disasters, other sorts of things like that, that is uh, an entity that really seeks to serve that. Also, there is a um, through the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops a committee on the home missions, and there are certainly a number of dioceses throughout the country that are uh, mission territory, for lack of a better word, insofar as um, not all of their parishes are self-sustaining because of uh, socioeconomic um, circumstances or um, uh, sparseness of population. Uh, They are not able to pay all of their own bills in order to carry out the practical concerns of ministry. So in the Diocese of Fargo, at least I believe in late April every year, we uh, participate in a national appeal for that committee uh, on the home missions. Uh, the Extension Society, Catholic Extension Society of the United States, uh, pairs with that very same intention 
Um, so I think it, it's good to to be aware of those things um, and to try to to bring them in. And personally, as a household, to try to remember them and to you know support where we can in a measure that uh, you know is in accord with one's conscience. So true. We're talking with Father James Gross here on Straight Talk. Love to hear from you. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You can also message us on Facebook. You can see Father just addressed the uh, question from someone online and uh, did it obviously very very well. Um, Father, you know, I, I I can't help but think about how the family is the domestic church. You know, and I think about growing up. Um, we learned lots of these types of attitudes, these types of principles in the family. Maybe just a, a remark or two and, and encouraging parents and, and families about how they can really start at home and how we can think of how we want our kids to live and how we want them to respect each other and give of themselves. Yes, uh, the first thing I think of is with regard to catechesis and the training of young people in the faith that uh, every parish's staff will tell uh, parents that they are the primary educators, uh, as in the rite of baptism, it mentions that with regard to the uh, parents and the blessing at the end of the baptism ceremony, that they have a uh, you know, they have a principal uh, role as far as that goes, and and what we can do on the parish level is supplement that, and in a more I guess intensive way for sacramental preparation, various things like that. But uh, when I think of the life of the domestic church in the family, uh, certainly with regard to spirituality, uh, taking time to pray, uh, to be fed, um, in, not only in body and mind, but also in soul. And also, um, for those of us with a rural background, uh, I think we may remember that there were times where a neighboring farmer in our uh, township or our, uh, community or county had a sudden, you know, critical health uh, issue and all of a sudden, a number of the neighbors got together to help uh, with uh, bringing in the harvest or putting in the crop or various sorts of things like that. So as a family, people can uh, extend their gaze outside of one another. And uh, for example, I've got this activity, I've got that you know, duty, we're, we're doing this just as a, a nuclear family unit, and to look at uh, uh, the wider communitarian uh, opportunities that exist too. Those principles of uh, de- defining the need, you know, that exists, uh, or you know, benefits for people who are in uh, particularly uh, difficult circumstances. It is within the family that those kinds of lessons are learned, so that as children grow up, they themselves as adults will be inclined to do the same thing. So true. Talking with Father James Gross here on Straight Talk, 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122, or message us on Facebook. You know, as you're going through talking, Father, I can't remember the paragraph in the Catechism, but I remember this quote from St. John Chrysostom, which just totally struck me when I read it a couple of years ago. It says, to not give someone their due, as in food, you know, if someone that's hungry or, or needy, clothing, all these kind of things, right, Matthew 25, he says it's actually be stealing from them, because those are basic rights and needs, and that kind of hit me, it's like, wow, that that's mm-hmm. that's hard-hitting, but, but it has a great impact. Indeed, um, in addition to that, uh, last week, I believe it was, there was a series of readings in the office, readings of the um, divine office that uh, we as uh, priests and consecrated religious are asked to pray on behalf of the Church, 
that uh, coincided with that passage from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, where he talks about a collection that he's taking up for another one of the churches, and the, the need to um, uh, to be generous. And, and there are some hard-hitting uh, statements in some of those readings. I think it was St. Cesarius uh, of Arles who said something like, it baffles me that you have the impudence to deny to others what you yourself ask for from God. And uh, what he's talking about there is that disconnect, where we are so ready and willing to receive things that we think we need that God can give us, but then once we have them, we act as though they only belong to us, and that we are not uh, stewards, uh, you know, as though we were the ultimate owners, and are unwilling to, to share with those around us. You know, it also brings us that point of uh, the Gospel parable from Matthew, I believe, chapter 18, where uh, a man was very much in debt and was about to be thrown in prison with his family, and he begged for mercy from the, uh, uh, from, from the superior, who forgave the debt and uh, granted it. But then when he turned to a fellow servant who owed a mere fraction of what he himself owed, he you know, had no room in his heart for, for mercy or, or accommodating him. So there has to be a consistency in our moral outlook. Absolutely. We're talking with Father James Gross, learning a lot of great stuff here on Straight Talk. You can join in at 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122, or message us on Facebook. You know, Father, we talked about you know raising the family, the catechesis, that the opportunities to give. One of the things that really touches my heart is when I see... Uh, volunteerism. You know, you see it, especially coming out starting in junior high. I love junior high kids, right? You've worked with them before. They're so idealistic, right? Oh, we're going to do this, this. I love that, right? That enthusiasm through the high school age, through college. I work with a lot of college age now. But that sense of going beyond self and volunteering. And of course, as a priest, you know as yourself, your parish would not function without volunteers. Maybe talk a little bit about volunteering, not only in the church, but in the community as well, and the great benefits there are personally and for the community. That's exactly right. Over a wide span of ages, um, in the parish that I currently serve, one of the things that we're continually talking about, and perhaps more so in the past, was how to engage in a more active way in leadership roles, uh, those of my generation, whereas uh, the older generation have been uh, holding down the fort, you might say, for the last decade or two, and to try to encourage that um, as a means of relying on one another's talents and supplying one another's talents rather than to just uh, uh, exist in a sort of cocoon that is uh, heedless of the good that can be done and the needs that exist within the parish and within the wider community. Um, I've seen a lot of different ways that uh, volunteerism really enriches people. And uh, one of the things I was thinking of as you were talking about young people especially uh, uh, middle schoolers, it can, be, it can be a very awkward age. I have a, a real <laughs> empathy for them because there, there are parts of them that want to be grown up, but there are other parts of them that are very much still, you know, little kids in a sense, and, and they're just kind of all over the place. So um, by uh, I- I- engaging, in, um, uh, engaging in beneficial volunteer activities, I think it can uh, help take their minds off of that awkwardness and not be so discouraged about, you know, kind of the already but not yet, Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know, mm -hmm. uh, status of of life and and adolescence, where they're thinking about the things that they wish they couldn't wish they could do but are not yet able to do and and that sort of thing and and to engage their 
energy and their uh, compassion in, uh, in, in positive outlets. Absolutely. Talking with Father James Grossman. This, that, that's so true. I'm just laughing and nodding as you're saying all those things, Father, because I'm actually teaching a class at Concordia this fall on how to teach middle schoolers and everything you said about the adolescents, you know, already but not yet, you know, what's going on with me, you know, I'm changing, they're changing, you know, it, it's it's so good, right? I, I love that. Yeah. So, again, yeah, join... the, feet, the feet are full size, but the voice is not, and, you know, all sorts of other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it isn't that true. That, that That's exactly right. You're listening to Straight Talk here with Father James Gross, 877-795-0122, 877-795-0122, or you can message us on Facebook. Uh, again, we'll, we'll get you on. We have about five minutes left or so, and Father James Gross is doing a wonderful job for us here. And uh, we, we just want to thank you. And again, if you want to join in, 877-795-0122. You can give us a call. We actually have... Okay. Uh, again, give us a call at 877-795-0122 if, if you want to join in. Father, maybe just quickly, growing up, what were some of the opportunities you had to volunteer and give to others that really made an impact with you? Personally, uh, one of the first things that I remember in the community that I grew up in in Napoleon is that um, our Knights of Columbus Council was fairly active, and then there was a junior branch of the Knights of Columbus called the Colombian Squires, and uh, you could be a squire uh, as a um, you know junior, senior, high. Bigger pardon. Uh, go ahead. Do you just keep on going? Okay. Um, so uh, yes, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, in the junior high to senior high ages, and one of the main things that we would do is to help serve for uh, large community uh, banquets and events, uh, like the annual. Um, fundraising, firemen's ball, or, you know, ambulance uh, dinner, various things like that, large wedding receptions, perhaps, things like that. And uh, with um, a little bit of the remuneration that we would be given, uh, we could decide what to do with that. Of course, a, a portion of it would go to um, a, a day on the town going out to uh, Bismarck for uh, pizza and a movie or that sort of thing. But um, with regard to the, the activities that we were doing within that group, um, it really comes down to uh, identifying places where we can be of meaningful service to others and to take that opportunity rather than to um, just to, to just to be disengaged. So that's one of the... Um, kind of the heartwarming memories that I carry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was from a, you might say, from a previous generation. Um, There weren't nearly as many other sorts of um, uh, activities, whether it be school extracurricular or other things that one could could participate in, you know, back in the uh, late 70s and 80s. Exactly. But that was was a stalwart, at least for for, for a nucleus of us, uh, German from Russia farm boys in Napoleon. <laughs> exactly, Father. <laughs> Wonderful. Father, we have a phone call, actually. Uh, Tonya from Fargo. Tonya, what's your question for Father? Good morning, Father. Good morning. Hi. I have a question um, about the use of the Baltimore Catechism in catechesis. Uh, if that still has a place in the use of catechesis or what your input is on that. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on using the Baltimore Catechism in catechesis? Great. Well, the first thing that I would say is that uh, in a particular diocese, uh, one needs to pay close attention uh, to follow in obedience the recommendations of the bishop 
and uh, those who are uh, assisting him. So in the various offices, if there are certain textbooks that they want to use as a standardized uh, sense, you know, within the uh, uh, public school religion uh, curriculum, uh, that's something that uh, would not, uh, that, that ought not to be set aside. Uh, that being said, I could imagine numerous other settings, particularly uh, homeschooling families and such, um, who would want to uh, turn to the Baltimore Catechism. I think it, it is good for what it does. Um, it is very accessible and uh, gives um, simple and direct and straightforward answers, and it gives some pretty good analogies. One of them that I particularly remember that uh, sticks with me is that... Um, and, and I don't I don't remember when I first saw this, but it was something that I thought was a very memorable analogy. They were talking about how if someone deliberately withholds a sin of which they are aware in confession, that that is sacrilege and that uh, their sins are not forgiven. Um, so, you know, little Johnny is walking along, he's carrying three boxes, and uh, he's on his way into the confessional, meaning that, you know, he has uh, two sins, to con- three sins to confess. Uh, he, he, he confesses two of them, but he keeps the third one, uh, concealed from the priest, and the very next panel of the comic strip, you might say, shows um, a rather um, uh, disconsolate and sullen-faced uh, Johnny walking out of the confessional carrying four boxes, because not only did he have the three, but then he uh, added another one on top. So uh, the Baltimore Catechism, as a peda- uh, pedantic uh, instrument, really had an effective way to, to get a lot of those uh, lessons across. Um, I would say what I would recommend is you know, the supplementation of that with with other things, uh, rather than to just claim in an arrogant sense that because it was uh, treasured by, you know, uh, a past generation that it is no longer useful for us. I, I think it represents uh, the Baltimore Catechism and resources similar to those represent uh, a method that was, you know, a lot more in vogue, you might say, uh, back in its day. That's not to say that it's completely obsolete, but I would Think of it as one resource to kind of sprinkle in throughout the course of the course of uh, one's um, uh, you know classroom uh, experience. Tony, does that help? Yep, yeah, sure does. Thank you. We appreciate. It. Thanks so much for your call. Well, Father, thank uh, you. I tell you what, Father, it's amazing. We only have about thirty seconds left. Anything else you'd like to let our listeners know before we have to go? Well, I just want to uh, assure especially our, our farm and ranch families of, uh, uh, of my prayers and, and blessings as harvest is soon to begin, and that uh, there be protection from severe and damaging storms. We had some wonderful rain come through last night in Grand Forks without uh, any hail or other sorts of damaging things. So well, let's pray for them as well. All right. Thanks so much, Father James Gross, for Straight Talk. You can hear it every day at 9.30 Central, every Monday through Friday. Up next, Honoring Our Fathers. And later, Father Damien Schill will talk to us about cooking. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
The only things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The Signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. Built Upon a Rockfest has partnered with Rugged Rosaries for another giveaway. Nine rosaries will be given away, one each week, leading up to the concert on September 14th. These rosaries are beautiful and extremely rugged. The quality is unmatched. For a chance to win, simply like Built Upon a Rockfest posts on Facebook and Instagram. Each like gets you a chance to win. Full giveaway details can be found at builtuponarockfest.com. Good luck, and don't forget to mark your calendars for Built Upon a Rockfest on September 14th. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. back everyone as you can tell that is coming up on our honor our father's segment we'd like to thank father james gross for being with us on straight talk as well but this is a relatively new thing for us honor our fathers and what is it well we have so many great priests in our listening area who need um model and guide us for a closer relationship with our heavenly father we want to honor them in a very special way intentionally on real presence live with a dozen donuts that never hurts. Donated by a local business to share with their staff. And of course, you know, good fathers do share, of course. That's what they do, right? So let us know who you would like to honor each week on Real Presence Live. We'll draw a name and share stories about our great spiritual fathers. This week, we want to honor Father Bruce Krebs from Minot, North Dakota. Congratulations, Father. We'll be sending him donuts courtesy of Dwight Richter Insurance Agency. Dwight Richter Insurance Agency provides many, many things for us today. And again, I'd like to congratulate Father Bruce Krebs, chosen this week to honor our Father. Again, Dwight Richter Insurance Agency provides auto, home, renters, life, and disability insurance, and more. To make an appointment, you can call 701 701-572-1509. 701-572-1509. Nine. Again, Father Bruce Krebs, he's in Minot. Here's a testimonial from a woman named Veronica who was there in Minot, went up to Alaska, and is now actually coming down to Minot as we speak, which is going to be great. Here's what she has to say about Father Krebs. In 2012, I buried my mom on the East Coast and then took a job in Minot. That was the year that the flood had occurred, so I ended up living outside of Minot. After things settled down in Minot, I moved into town, so when the weather got bad, I could get to work. I started attending Our Lady of Grace, as it was the closest parish to where I lived. One day, when I stopped at Our Lady of Grace, I was very pleased to find an adoration chapel. No one was there but Father Krebs, so I had a chance to visit with him, and he was very, very gracious. I told him that I was struggling and found Minot to be very, a very cold place. I hope, not just the weather, I think she's thinking. <clears throat> Father Bruce was really understanding, and he told me to give people time. He encouraged me, telling me that even if I felt like an outsider, to be patient. 
And he was right. While attending Our Lady of Grace, I asked a co-worker to come to Mass with me. She had been baptized Catholic, but not practicing. She and her husband had no children, and because of Father Bruce, they came back into the church. Father Bruce blessed their marriage, and now they have two children. Even though I've moved to Alaska, I've kept Our Lady of Grace as my parish. Father Bruce has been a great blessing in my life. And that is the testimonial from, from Veronica on Father Bruce Krebs. You know, a couple things from there. I remember, uh, I live a couple hours northwest of Minot, and my wife and I driving up through Minot during the flood, I thought, you know, this place is never going to flood. And, and it did. It was, it was devastating what happened there. And so, you know, I, I can relate to that. Another thing I can relate to is the idea of cold. We all know cold weather. But I think uh, Veronica's testimony here and what Father Krebs did is amazing, right? Because he reached out to her. He said, you know, give it time. First of all, he was available for her, which, which made a huge difference, right? But, but the idea that give them time. And look what she did. She reached out. She reached out, talked to someone who was baptized Catholic but wasn't going to church, and that is, that's amazing, right? That's a little bit of evangelization. You know, so much, I went to this summit on evangelization, right? And part of it is, big part is praying, right? Just sitting and saying, Lord, who do you want me to reach out to? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? You know, and, and, that, and that's very, very important to take into account. Because as we do this, we'll bring people to Christ. We just want to facilitate that encounter, Right? And God's going to put upon our hearts who it is we need to see, how it is we need to do it. And let's be honest, <laughs> most of us want this to be, oh, I've got a kid or I've got a friend or you know, I have a, a child, a relative who's away from the church. I'm going to bring him back. Chances are you're probably not going to be the one that does it. That, just saying. <laughs> that, that's the way it is. I'm not saying you won't. But many times the people we want are get hung up on the most, shall we say, are not the ones that that we do so it, it's kind of important that that we understand this you know and I, I think of i was listening to a deacon speak um a couple weeks ago in evangelization he has four children i believe two of them are still with the church two of them aren't and he said you know going through this book this book was some can't remember the exact title but it was something about how to help your kids come back into the church and he said my wife and I did everything wrong. You know, I pushed too much. I, I, I said that this is the way it has to be. These were for children now who actually were out of the house, and it ended up alienating them. And I've learned in my life the best thing we can do is to be that witness, to be that witness to people that, you know what, number one, live a holy life. Holiness attracts people, and people, and people they really want, they want... Um, Examples. They don't just want to be preached at. Show me someone who is teaching, someone who is someone who is living this faith and is enjoying it. If we live the faith with joy and love and happiness, people are going to want to do this. So we'd like to thank Father Bruce Krebs for what he's doing. We'd like to thank Veronica for nominating him for doing this because it's very, very important that we have these people in our lives. And let's face it, our priests, most of them are so, so good. They give up their lives for us. So let's go ahead and honor our Father. So again, we'd like to thank and congratulate Father Bruce Krebs on being chosen as this week's Honor Our Father segment. Today, Honor Our Father segment is brought to you by the Dwight Richter Insurance Agency. It provides auto, home, renters, life, 
disability insurance, and much more. To make an appointment, you can call 701-572-1509. And if you'd like to help sponsor this segment, please call Brett at 605-670-8333. That's Brett at 605-670-8333. All right. Well, that's all we have for now. Before break, coming up, we're going to have Father Damien Schill on by phone to talk about, yes, cooking and all that it involves. Thanks so much. You're listening to Real Presence Live. 